Hi, this is Derek from Atlanta. Unlike Bob, I am a former law enforcement officer, but I still enjoy listening to a practical show by a practical guy. You're listening to the Handgun World Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 606 of the Handgun World Podcast. This is a practical show done by a very practical guy. That is me. I don't go tinfoil hat on you. And I try to keep everything about Second Amendment and firearms easy to understand, simple, and the way I like to see things. And that is simple. So... This week, I have a real good email from a listener. I get a lot of listener emails, a lot of good ones. And I don't get a chance to talk about every one. I do respond to them all. But this one in particular from Ben comes to me. And I want to talk about this. because He gave me, by the way, his name is Ben Downs. And he gave me the permission to use his name. First, I want to mention this show is brought to you by Keeper's Concealment. Keeper's Concealment, Spencer Keepers, I think he's the leading authority. I think he's the best out there on appendix carry. And his holsters, I also believe, are the best. And I use his holsters. This is not just an advertisement, but this is an endorsement because I use his products. If you need appendix carry holsters, go to keepersconcealment.com, keepersconcealment.com, and you can use the discount code HANDGUNWORLD for a 10% discount. So Ben wrote to me, he was talking about one of my recent episodes on grip angle. And he said, hey Bob, this is Ben. We've spoken before a few times. A few thoughts on the podcast. Now I'm going to paraphrase. I'm not going to read word for word what Ben said because it's. I don't like it when people read things word for word. It gets kind of boring. I'll try to keep this interesting. Ben says he agrees and disagrees with me. And and I said something like, okay, it doesn't matter what the grip angle of a gun is. As long as your sights are on target and you press the trigger smoothly, what does it matter? Um, He said, but there's always, you know, another alternative. It does make a difference in some cases. He said, after a lot of years of using Glocks exclusively, he switched to all H&K handguns. Given the opportunity to shoot Glocks now, after a few years on the H&K, the Glocks consistently point high for me. I have to consciously point them down to align the sights properly. He went on to say it's not a huge deal and he can still shoot Glocks quickly and accurately. Here's something interesting that Ben said, and I, I agree. And it's, it's something that's overused. There's no such thing as muscle memory. But there is training and repetition memory. See, a lot of people use that muscle memory stuff. I don't think your, your muscles remember anything. Your brain remembers. And that's what he means by training and repetition memory. I agree with you, Ben. 
That's true. So shooting a handgun with a different grip angle than what you're used to will slow you down, that there's no question about that. Okay, so it may slow you down. It may not. It depends on how you practice and draw and train. If it does slow you down, how much does it slow you down? I bet it can't be that much. Matter of fact, I'm going to give you an example. Okay, I'm not just talking uh, out my you-know-what. I'm, I'm talking about actual experience. So last weekend, I shot my Shadow Systems, DR920 Elite. The weekend before that, I shot my Glock 19, third generation. Uh, there, I don't notice any difference. Now, there's a big difference in the grip angle. I use the backstrap on the Shadow Systems gun that mimics uh, like an M&P, a more natural uh, grip angle. I don't put the one on there that makes it feel like a Glock. So when I draw and I point that Shadow Systems gun, the sights, it's pointing perfectly and the sights are on target. Same thing with uh, the M&P 2.0, compact, right on target. But I didn't do, I didn't shoot any better with the Shadow Systems gun. There's a whole lot more to it than grip angle. That's what I'm trying to say. I actually shot a little bit better with my Glock 19. I shot it in IDPA. And then the following week, I, I did some competition shooting and uh, at a different kind of match with my Shadow Systems. No difference. No difference at all. Uh, in fact, I was a little bit slower for some reason. I don't know why with my Shadow Systems gun. Probably because the trigger is not quite as good as the nicely modified trigger on my G19. I use all Glock parts, by the way, on my G19. All I did was put in a 3.5 pound Glock connector. That's my competition Glock 19. So, you know, I paid a lot of money for the Shadow Systems guns. I have two of them. A DR920 Elite, which is the size of a Glock 17. And I have the MR920 Elite, which is the size of a Glock 19. And I'm strongly considering buying a CR920, which is kind of like the same size as a Glock 43X. I just, I like those guns. I like their ergonomics. I like the controls. I like the design. I like everything about them. I will say that in the beginning of shooting the Shadow Systems guns, I experienced a few malfunctions. There is a break-in period. My MAP 2.0 Compact never gave me any trouble. It's never given me any from, from the very first shot. That is also a fantastic gun. And the new M&Ps, like the Performance Center guns, are really cool. And the price on those is very nice. So I never got any malfunctions at all with my M&P 2.0. My third generation Glock 19, no malfunctions. In many, many, many thousands of rounds. Now, I do run good ammo. One thing I noticed about the Shadow Systems guns is they don't like the cheap steel ammo. Last weekend, I was shooting cheap steel ammo. I've got some of this Monarch steel ammo that I bought at Academy Sports and Outdoors when the ammo crisis was in full swing. and It was, it was hard to get anything, so I bought whatever I could get my hands on. Well, it's cheap junk, and I guess it's not junk, 
Uh, it, it is good range practice ammo. I shouldn't call it junk, but it's much lower quality than the CCI Blazer Brass that I like to train with. I like to train with the 124 grain CCI Blazer Brass. My Shadow Systems gun has no problem with the CCI ammo, but it did not like the Monarch Serbian made, I think it is, cheap steel case ammo. My Glock 19 has no problem with that cheap ammo. So there's an advantage right here. But getting back to Ben Downs' email, trigger type. I found that as long as the trigger does not require a safety manipulation prior to using it, the pull type makes little difference. So here's something else. Getting off of the grip angle uh, debate here. He said, example, he shoots revolvers a lot and he can seamlessly transition to a striker fire auto or a double action auto. Now, now that's pretty good, Ben. Most, I can't do that. I can't make that transition. He said what screws him up and slows him down is having to deactivate a manual safety first. Now that I can relate to. So having to deactivate a manual safety like on a 1911 or a Beretta 92, that slows him down. And this is why I'm not a fan of carrying a gun with a manual thumb safety. Now, I'm not saying I would never do that. I'm just saying it's not my first choice. I'll say this. I am very much interested in possibly acquiring a Staccato C2, an STI. I still call them STIs, you know? I do. Because that's what it is. It's an STI. They just they changed their name to Staccato. Okay, fine guns. And I still would like to acquire one of those and test it. And see, see if that manual safety really will slow me down. Because on a gun like that, it's so easy to shoot fast and accurately that even if it takes me a little while to disengage that manual thumb safety, what, maybe half a second, quarter of a second, I might make up that speed because the gun is just so smooth, so accurate, and it's so easy to shoot that thing and shoot it quickly and accurately. So, you know, Ben, this is a good email that you sent to me. And, you know, I, I, I like these kinds of comments, especially one, comments like this that are very well thought out and everything. Hey, Ben, I, I, send me an email. Let me know which HKs that you have and that you carry. I'm just curious. Uh, HKs are fine guns, and I wouldn't mind having an HK, actually. An HK doesn't fit in the budget right now. Actually, a Staccato C2 does not fit in my budget right now <laughs> but that doesn't mean that maybe next year that it maybe it will fit in my budget i am not I, so far i've gone the entire year of 2022 without buying any new guns hey how about that that's a lot of willpower right there folks especially when you're a firearms enthusiast like i am but i, I made a deal with myself uh in january of 2022 that I would just spend the year shooting what I got. Spend the year shooting what I have. And I have plenty, but I've got about five or six guns that I shoot a lot out of everything that I own. So that's what I'm spending time with. And I've done very little to my firearms in the past year. I've done very little in the way of modifications or replacing parts. I used to do a lot of that. 
But this year, you know what I'm focusing on? I'm focusing on me becoming a better shooter. I got a nice bonus check about a month and a half ago. I didn't go out and run out and buy a brand new gun. I got a whole bunch of ammo. And, uh, of course, put some in the savings account, which is even more important. But I got a bunch of ammo. And I'm going to be buying some more ammo pretty soon, too. And I'm not going to put out publicly anymore how much ammo I'm buying. But I'm keeping myself pretty well supplied. When you're a competitive shooter or you like to go take training classes, which, by the way, I need to go take a training class pretty soon. Uh, Carl Wren's KR Training Company is not too far from me. Uh, less than a two-hour drive. I need to get up there, go see Carl, take one of his classes. Uh, excellent instructor. And he's close. Okay, now I want to play a voicemail. I should have covered this a couple of months ago, but I did not. But it's never too late, right? So a couple of months ago, I got a voicemail from a listener in Colorado. You're going to hear it shortly. There was a few audio challenges, so forgive the audio problems. His connection was not real good, but there, he had a lot of good things to say, the part that we could hear. So I'm going to play that for you now and then give you my comments I want to tell you that if you want to call in a voicemail, the number is 210-646-1727. 210-646-1727. Let's listen now. Hi, Bob. This is Nate from Colorado, uh, long-time listener, second-time caller. I uh, just wanted to leave a rebuttal for you about your most recent episode at the end of June regarding the Supreme Court's decision in New York State Rifle and Pistol versus Bruin. Um <clears throat> New York has uh, infringed upon the Second Amendment after your podcast came out. They have come out with several laws increasing the scope of the sensitive places that handguns are not allowed. However, in the position, clearly saw this decision that they cannot expand the sensitive places past what has been in American tradition and in judicial decisions before this, like courthouses, police stations, etc. Also, uh, one thing that you didn't touch on, which I believe that is the far more consequential part of the Bruin decision, is the fact that Justice Thomas and the other five justices that consented with him uh, struck down the tiered scrutiny uh, clause that uh, the Ninth Circuit, the Fourth Circuit, the Second Circuit have been using for years to uphold these uh, gun control laws that go against our Second Amendment. So I think that he specifically called out that intermediate scrutiny is uh, no longer a valid option and only the text, history, and tradition of the Second Amendment will be used moving forward to judge if a gun control law is constitutional. And I think that will be the far more consequential uh, aspect of the decision moving forward. I know Firearms Policy Coalition and Gun Owners of America are going hot wild right now, going on the offense with um, lawsuits. And I can't wait to see a lot of these gun control laws, especially the FDA, get struck down as unconstitutional, which they clearly are. But I do apologize for my long-winded speech here. I want Okay, listener from Colorado, feel free if you wish to call back and give me that voicemail one more time. 
you know, redo it because there was a lot of connection issues and it was a little hard to follow, but I think we got your primary point. The Bruin decision, here's the point that I believe that he's making. The Bruin, the Supreme Court Bruin decision is basically setting the stage for how we decide gun laws or how the courts should decide gun laws. And I think it also sets the stage for how organizations can litigate gun laws and be successful. Like, for example, Second Amendment Foundation, Gun Owners of America. I'm a huge fan of the Second Amendment Foundation. And as I'm doing this podcast, they're up in Dallas right now finishing the gun rights policy conference which i did not get a chance to go to this year i definitely i need to go there it's been several years i need to go there and i'll probably go there next week but that's a very good voicemail that he called in about the bruin decision and it is important because the five justices did lay i think a very important groundwork which i believe is in favor of gun owners and second amendment advocates and in favor of the second amendment in general i have never seen now i i'm, I'm going to be 61 in a couple of years so i've been on this earth a while i have never seen anything in the constitution attacked so badly as the second amendment has been attacked it's been attacked the worst and it's been it's been attempted to be shredded by people far worse in my opinion than anything else in the constitution the whole constitution's under assault right now there's no question about it but for decades the second amendment pretty much i think since 1968 the second amendment has extremely been under fire and the other side basically has been trying to abolish that the, the Second Amendment. So that's just my personal opinion on that. This was a very good voicemail. And, um, sir, feel free to call in again if you want. That number is 210-646-1727. All right. Back to another email that I received. Uh, this one comes from a listener named Aaron. And this was a while back, too. And I, I kind of answered his email, but I want to do a little bit better job on this show. By the way, this is brought to you by Concealment Solutions. Concealment Solutions, I'm, I'm wearing one of their holsters right now, a Cobra outside the waistband holster for my Glock 43X. They conceal extremely well, and you can carry outside the waistband, which is more comfortable and faster, and have the same concealment as inside the waistband. Check out concealmentsolutions.com, and once again, Handgun World gives you a 10% discount. So, Aaron says, Bob, I'd like to get your advice on having two different calibers of firearms. I have a Smith & Wesson M&P Shield in 380, the 380EZ, and I just recently acquired a Glock 19. What are your thoughts on picking up another smaller 9mm? Aaron, I'm all in favor of that. I, I, think you, I think standardizing calibers as much as you can is a very good idea. In matter of fact, I just kind of proved that right, at least to myself, for my needs, because I just made a, a nice large purchase of 9mm. And 90% of the firearms I own are in 9mm. I don't have any more 45 ACP. 
I only have a couple of pocket guns in 380. I include a Glock 42 in that. But those are not mostly carried. Mostly carried are my 9mm handguns, like the Glock 43X that I'm carrying right now. So by standardizing calibers, it gives you a chance to acquire ammo, I think, in larger quantities, which means that you save money and there's less that you have to keep track of when you standardize your handgun your your uh, handguns in other words less fewer calibers means in my opinion less confusion more standardization i can take advantage of the bulk purchases better how about you what have you found how many of you listening right now have decided to standardize calibers how many of you have not how many of you have several different calibers uh if you do how do you manage that how do you purchase your ammo? Do you is there one caliber that you favor more than others? I believe in standardizing. Now I have a friend of mine, uh, a friend of mine from years back up in Oklahoma. He had nothing but 45s. He would not own a gun unless it was 45 caliber. He had I think he had one little pocket 380 and that was it. Everything else had to be 45 ACP. That's his choice. But he's been doing this for decades. He's been standardizing everything on 45 ACP. He's a reloader. He reloaded 45 ACP. Whenever he purchased bulk ammo, it was all 45. So he could purchase you know, a couple thousand rounds at a time and save some money that way. We all have limited budgets. So I think we, well, most of us, there might be some people that have an unlimited budget. <laughs> Good for you. I'm not one of those. So we have to work within our budgets. And I would rather take the money I've got set aside for ammo and just buy all one caliber. To me, that just makes it easier, makes more sense. I can take advantage of sales and things like that. But whatever you want to standardize on, I think it's a good, it's a good idea. So Aaron, get that 9mm. I would suggest something like a P365, maybe a Glock 43X, maybe a Shield Plus. Uh, let's see what else really good that's out there. Well, the the Shadow System CR920, if you want to pick up something like that. Since you already have a Glock 17, maybe a Glock 43X might make more sense because you're sticking with the same type of handgun and you're familiar with the Glocks and you're familiar with the triggers and the grip and things like that. The Glock 43X is based on the, the fifth generation Glock uh, you know, design, but I would I would definitely go for that that nine millimeter, and whatever you want, whatever type of nine millimeter you want to get, that's my recommendation. If I were you, I might also think about keeping it a striker fired nine millimeter handgun, since that's what it seems that you're used to. Um, and there's a you know how many how many different nine millimeter firearms are there now? How many nine millimeter striker fired guns it's unbelievable you know once the glock patent ran out i mean it just spurred a lot of guns coming out for the better i think but think about it just stop and think for a minute here look how many guns are out there based on the glock design think about it you know springfield came out with the xds well i mean they bought the croatian guns what was it the hs 2000 or something like that and it's similar. 
Smith and Wesson M&Ps. Take a part of Smith and Wesson M&P and take a part of Glock and put them next to each other. A lot of similarities. How about a CZP10C? A lot of similarities between that and a Glock. Look at all the Glock clones out there. I mean, like the Shadow Systems guns, for example. The PSA guns. The Polymer 80 guns out there that seem to be almost direct copies of the Glocks. Remember the old Smith & Wesson what was it, the SV series or something like that, that was so much of a copy of a Glock that I think they got sued by Glock or something like that. I mean, just there's so many of them now. And if you look at them, they're based on a Glock design. They, they've improved the Glock design, in my opinion. They've improved it. Now, some of you might think, well, Glock didn't need much improvement. And then some of you might think, well, yeah, they needed a lot of improvement. Whichever side of the fence that you're on, I think you can't deny that a lot of the striker-fired 9mm guns, big and small, are inspired by the Glock design. So, look what they started. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying that Glock is the... As a matter of fact, you know what? I carry a non-Glock firearm more than I carry a Glock these days. Today, I have my G43X. Lately, I've been carrying my P365 and my P365XL by SIG a lot. Those are my two favorite carry guns right now. They're just excellent, and they're SIGs. I don't like the full-size SIGs. I don't like the 320s. I just, I've shot them a lot. They just, for some reason, I don't know. I just can't get used to the SIG P320 series. But the small guns, one of them that I have my eyes on Let's see, what are they calling it? The SIG P365X Macro, I think it is. The 17-round SIG 365 design. That looks pretty cool. I may need to go to a store and check one of those out. And, of course, the Shadow System CR920. It looks like they had some reliability problems with the CR920, but they got them fixed. One of the things I like about Shadow Systems is their responsiveness to issues is outstanding. When I bought my DR920, it didn't have the same kind of slide release that my MR920 had. No, it's the other way around. I'm sorry. I bought my MR920 Elite first. Then I bought my DR920. And the DR920 had a better, in my opinion, a better slide release. So I called them up and I said, hey, I don't like the slide release on my MR920. It's not the same as the DR. And they said, no problem. They sent me a new one. I had it in three days. No charge. I mean, that's good customer service. I've seen on YouTube people that had issues with their CR920. It, Shadow Systems responded to it. They didn't make excuses like some gun manufacturers. You know, they didn't make excuses. There's big name manufacturers out there that really don't do a good job of handling issues. And then there's smaller companies like Shadow Systems. They're up and coming. They're relatively new. They're trying to make a big name for themselves. They have fantastic guns. I am in no way compensated by Shadow Systems, by the way. I'm not sponsored. I'm not con uh, compensated. They have never sent me anything except, except a free slide stop. That's it. They've sent me a free slide stop only because I complained about the one that I had. Okay, I'm just I'm talking about them because I really like their guns. I've always liked Glocks and I think the Shadow Systems are just better Glocks. That's what I think they are. But as I mentioned, what goes on my belt most of the time 
It's a SIG P series, P365 series to be exact. So I think it's really a matter of preference, but getting back to Aaron's email, sure, sta standardizing is something that I would always be a big fan of, standardizing your calibers and standardizing your type of gun. Now, I'm not saying don't own a 1911. Go ahead, own one. You know, get a revolver. Get a double-action, single-action CZ or a DASA SIG. But what you're going to carry, I think it's something that you should be used to shooting. I think it just helps if you're used to shooting it a lot. And so if that for you is going to be a striker-fired 9mm, then get it. Some of you that listening, you might be a big fan of the double-action, single-action guns. So do that. You might be a big fan of the traditional SIGs or maybe the DASA Berettas. Maybe that's your thing. Or maybe like the C, what is it, the CZP07? I think that's a super sweet double-action, single-action firearm. If that's your thing, then standardize those. The only challenge I have with the DASA gun is I can't find too many small ones. Like if I want to carry a small gun like a P365, I can't find a gun like that in double action, single action that's been proven to be reliable. You know, it seems like I have to carry a midsize or have to own a midsize to a full size type of gun to get the double action, single action design. I got no problem with that. And if you practice, it's not much of a problem with the double action first trigger pull. But getting the small ones in that type of that system, that firing system and trigger system, it's rather difficult. Okay, well, this pretty much covers what I wanted to talk about today. Uh, please remember also, if you like this show, if I help you in any way and I help you with your firearms and Second Amendment decisions, I really could use your support. Uh, the sponsors I have are great, but they're not enough. If you could support me on Patreon, please, I'd appreciate that. For as little as $3 a month, you can access all the videos and customized podcasts. Just go to Handgun World Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash handgunworld. That'll be in the show notes. Everything I mention is going to be in the show notes for this episode. Also, feel free to leave me a review wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts or any of the podcast apps. And also, Ben Branham and I, we always could use your support. Ben and I are close friends. Uh, he, he does the Modern Self-Protection podcast and we used to do a lot of training together we for the past several years have had the shooters club and the shooters club is an incredible video site we got so much live footage from our classes that we used to teach on the shooters club it's a huge bargain so for eight dollars a month you can become a shooters club member as well that's shootersclubmembers.com Last but not least, go to the Amazon store page on Handgun World whenever you do your shopping. I have a book there that I recommend that you can buy from Amazon. Several optics, a lot of different things that I recommend that I actually use that are on my Amazon store. So if you just go there and click one of those links first, you don't have to buy that product. But if you do your shopping on Amazon that way, you also help out the Handgun World podcast that's all folks i appreciate your time as always 
Remember to shoot straight, shoot safe, read your Bible every day, and I'll talk to you again next time. Goodbye. Back me.